Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the 3D Experience Podcast. It's your boy, Devin, and with me as always, Daniel. How's it going? David. What's going on? The three of us are in great company once again with the one and only Arsenal superfan and cool dad, Austin. How you doing, dude? Good. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, we're excited to have you back. Welcome yeah, back. It's been a, a nice little couple weeks uh, off from the podcast while we kind of get new ideas going and kind of just you know focus on ourselves during this continued uh, stay-at-home season. How have you got, what have you guys been up to? Honestly, I haven't been up to much. I've been just working, trying to stay busy. I mean, my mind's been going crazy without any sports, but I'm just I'm happy we're starting to get it back slowly now. Yeah, definitely. With the Bundesliga back and some other leagues uh, starting up again soon, it's, it's uh, very exciting times. But I must say, during all this uh, time to do whatever, I've been nothing... I've been doing nothing but watching and binging TV shows. I know right now I'm watching Peaky Blinders. So Great show. Yeah, it's looking pretty good so far. So if you ever need a show to, uh, to watch on Netflix, Peaky Blinders, that has to be top of your list. What about you, David? Yeah, definitely. Uh, been trying to stay busy, man. Uh, being inside most of the days, it's hard not to go crazy. But yeah, definitely getting excited that sports um, are coming back, and especially soccer obviously what our passion is so yeah just looking forward to these upcoming weeks yeah what about you austin i've been playing a lot of xbox fifa and overwatch and that's <laughs> literally that. it <laughs> nothing wrong with that fifa with the boys no but seriously let's uh let's get let's get things started so we've actually had a few weeks a couple weeks here with um the one and only uh league that is playing which is the bundesliga and any soccer is better than no soccer at all, so it's awesome to have at least something on to watch and, you know, to, to analyze, and there actually have been a few good games in these past couple weeks. It's better than the Belarus Premier League that's been going on the entire time during quarantine. You did watch one of those games, yeah, right? Yeah, FC Minsk is my team, man. <laughs> I could not get myself to watch to even find a stream where that's going to be. None of it was in English, so it was, I was just, I had it on mute listening to some music. Yeah. Some soccer is better than no soccer, come on. Yeah, it is, it is. Um, so let's get things started. So um, I'd like to point out um, that before the season was put to an end, there was a lot of momentum that was ruined for, from the break, but maybe it was a blessing in disguise for a few teams in the Bundesliga. One I'd like one team that um, I think this is the case for is Dortmund. Uh, before the break, it was clear that they struggled to keep clean sheets and they struggled to like finish games early. Now with uh, the league came back up, they have three clean sheets out of four games. That one game that they lost, that they didn't get a clean sheet was the one they lost to Bayern. And I think uh, that for most, for at least the first half, they looked pretty strong. Um, <clears throat> but did you guys any, take think of any team that changed drastically from this break in the Bundesliga? No, it honestly looks like just a continuation of where we left off with Bayern's dominance. I mean, they're getting by, as expected. Um, and the, the rest of the table is just following along. I know... Uh, 
Uh, Leverkusen has dropped a little bit. They're still fighting, but Dortmund just doesn't look as strong offensively, I think, as they do defensively. And that's something I didn't expect, especially with Holland. Yeah, I mean, Bayern, um, this gave time for Lewandowski to come back from injury, which I'm, I'm sure it's not something you're happy about because um, you guys would have played them. If none of this would have happened, you guys would have had that second leg without Lewandowski. Yeah, and Champions League is not even like in the discussion, so I haven't even thought about it. But, I mean, it's going to happen. Every team that's going to come back um, for, for their respective league games, they're going to have a fully fit team for the most yeah. part. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, but Dortmund have been, I think, have, besides the Bayern game, obviously, they, they performed extremely well, especially with a midfield duo with not even their strongest midfielders. They've been playing with... Uh, uh, Dahoud and um, Delaney, and so they they haven't seen uh, Witzel come back since the the start back up, but he has been on the bench the last game, and so the fact that they've been able to control and dominate games without their main man Witzel, it's it is, I think it's kind of eye opening because I actually disagree, Danny. I think their their offense is insane and their defense is what has been struggling. So I mean, you could say that as well, but I mean, in their the the game that really mattered, that could have put a a difference on the title. Yeah. I mean, they they put up zero goals, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I agree in the games that some people would argue that don't matter. They are putting up these goals like Sancho with that hat-trick in the last game. Um good for him, first career hat-trick, I believe. Uh but but in the game that really mattered, you see you see them really fall flat in the offensive category yeah and that was a hat trick against Paderborn who were in last place yeah exactly so I mean some of these games mean next to nothing you know you got to win it but the the real test comes against a team like Bayern Holland got injured early in the Bayern game though right no he came he came off in the second half the second half well that I'm sure that was I was expecting the restart to be almost teams to be a little sloppy like they are whenever they come off preseason like a little slow but it really has kicked off right back to how it was Mm -hmm. and one thing is that versus uh Bayern, like you said, is Dortmund was were very sloppy in the final third. They were not making the right passes. I mean, Holland was making good runs and everything, but they Brandt looked a little sloppy, which he has it in every other game. So maybe that. I agree. I feel like that final pass is missing. Yeah, and then Bayern just took it to him in the second half. Which Who was home that won. game? It was uh, Dortmund, which is also a big factor. Yeah. Dortmund fans would have been crazy. Definitely would have helped. Yeah, the twelfth man in that um, in that stadium plays a big. Plays a big part, so Bayern were extremely relieved to not have that nuisance that pressure, yeah. for sure. <clears throat> but I'd say uh, a team that probably did not uh, take advantage of this long break was Leipzig, just because before they were pretty much for the majority of the season they looked so strong that they were gonna <clears throat> uh, challenge for the title. Um, they slipped up here and there um, right before the break, but. Once we come back, and it seems like they struggle to to get goals goals in the back of the net. Just to get, they just uh, played Cole, uh, FC Cone earlier um, the couple days ago, and watching that game, um, they took an early, but they allowed the chance for Cole to come back. You know, but Werner's Werner's brilliance in the second half kind of was the and in Cuckoo, they both did really well. Um, they were the answer, but yeah, they're they're not even in. They're not even talks for to be in the title race anymore. I mean, they're going to no, be shooing for for top four. But yeah, yeah they're the uh, two points behind Dortmund, and Dortmund's seven behind yeah. Bayern. So I mean, it's yeah. it's nine points out. It's it's looking almost like it's not possible. They also they tied Hertha Berlin earlier uh, last week as well, which I mean I feel like that's a game you just have to win because one point doesn't really do much for you in the title race. Yeah, absolutely. especially when you see Bayern pounding out results like they are. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to slow down, and I I 
every match week, I just look forward to the to the Bayern game just to see them slip. I want them to lose. Hopefully, yeah. this coming Saturday, Bayer Leverkusen can can do something against Bayern. Maybe Havertz can show his uh, promising talent and truly make his name like known out there that he's going to be the hottest name on the market. Yeah. You know, competing against Sancho because uh, that's definitely going to be a game with a lot of firepower. So yeah. I'll be watching that for sure. <laughs> I know Havertz is usually a creative midfielder, but he's actually been playing up top the past that's, few games, and he's been scoring goals. That's what I love about him. Yeah. His last, he's so dynamic. His last goal, he did a little toe poke, but his run off the ball, the movement off the ball was amazing, and his little toe poke shows that he could be a good striker. Yeah, I was watching him throughout the year, and it's, it's, it's clear that he can play like many positions. He can play attacking mid, right mid, like almost like a right wing, and then even push up to striker or center forward or something like that. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with I think his physique as well, just because he has that stature. He has some height to him, so mm-hmm. he can he can challenge he can challenge physically. Yep. He's not he's not by any means slow. He's yep. got based on his movement, you can show he he's quick on his feet. Um, but yeah, man, he's super exciting to watch. He's almost like a better version of Deli Ali. Exactly. Yeah, I think uh, it's these big games where stars can be born whenever they make an upset against a big rival like Bayern. So yeah, that that's definitely a game to watch. But uh, another big thing to note for the for the Bundesliga is um, even before the break, the the amount of promising American talent in the Bundesliga. Um, so it's really exciting as as Americans to be promoted the Bundesliga just because there's numerous young young uh, Americans to watch, and probably the the biggest one. Uh, for me, is McKenney just because how he's a shoe in. He's probably the first name on the team, the, on the team sheet for Schalke. Um, and I was really excited to start watching uh, the Bundesliga just, just for him, but Schalke have been piss poor. Yeah, shocking. Yeah, they, they're struggling against lower league sides, and their first game against Dortmund, it was just they didn't even have a chance. I mean, McKenney did what he could, but it seems like he's struggling with having too much on his plate, being kind of... There, there's a lot that is expected of him from Wagner, um, but they just need better recruitment because there's... Besides McKinney, there is not much more talent around him. He scored a good get, a good goal, to be fair. The header? Yeah. What do you think, Austin? Yes, versus the Dortmund game, he I think he was almost their best player. Like, uh, very energetic, winning the ball, and playing it forward as fast as he could. He makes a lot of good interceptions, but maybe we aren't seeing the best of McKinney just because of the team he's on. Or maybe he just has to try to play his role better. I know Alexi Lawless talked about on his podcast a lot what he thought about McKenny, which he doesn't think he's proved enough yet. But I agree with that. I rate him as a very good player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he wouldn't be in the place that he's in if he wasn't a, such a good player. But um, I do think he has a lot to learn uh, with positioning. I think his positioning could be better on the field. Um, I, I sometimes find that he, he finds himself out of position a little too high on the field when he could help out a bit more in the midfield. But... At the same time, that does help to get him getting behind when players are slacking and uh, you don't see that. But, I mean, that all depends on the the place that he's playing in that team sheet. So if he is playing that attacking midfield role, um, maybe that's a good thing. But sometimes I do see him slacking on the defensive end. Yeah. So on that, do you think um, – I'll ask Austin first and then Danny can follow up. Um, do you think McKenney should be on the move or be looking for a move in the summer? I do. Um and I think the Bundesliga is a really good league, and he can develop as a really good player there. But I know he does talk about playing in the Premier League, and I think that would be a good league for him because it's very fast-paced and very physical, and he plays that way. 
That is a good point. What you brought up, though, is Alexis Dallas also brought up, is which position is best for him. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think it's in the center mid, but he's played right back. I agree. He's played winger. He's played striker versus chalk, and he does need to find one position and stick to it. Mm-hmm. Yep, because he does, he does end up roaming a good amount of times because I feel like he's not accustomed to one position. So, yeah, I, I agree with you with that center mid role. I think is the best for him, being able to play box to box. But to answer your question, Devin, I don't think Schalke is the right team for him. I don't personally know where he should go because I think the Premier League might be a, a bit of a uh, too strong of a step at the moment, um, depending on the club that he goes to. I don't think I'd want. It. I don't think he would go anywhere else um, than the Premier League just because yeah. of how much he admires it. Mm-hmm. But it all depends on his mentality on if he chooses to go to a top six club because I'm sure there is a top six club that would take him. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd have to have a similar mon- mentality that Pulisic has. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's I wouldn't look down on McKenney if he chose to you know play it safe and go for mid table team, an Everton, um, <clears throat> or even a Newcastle who's looking at um, you know new ownership and planning on pumping a bunch of money into the club to you know to rebuild it. Um, that is a topic for later, but I I would just want to see him get a change because he does look frustrated on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and hum- however much I rate David Wagner as a coach, I think. Um, as a mid-tier um, club that Schalke is, I don't see them being able to get the funds to rebuild um, now because it is a summer. The transfer op- window is open for, as far as we know. And if they can't rebuild now, I can't see them being able to hold such a great player in McKinney. They might have to sell him just to get more funds. Mm-hmm. So I, I, w- I do want to see a change for him. And um, another American that probably for me is is the most exciting um, on paper. Like no matter how much, no matter what the role is for the team, it's Tyler Adams. Um, he had this break to be able to to strengthen his body after um, you know suffering back to back injuries over the whole season. And you could tell that uh, Nagelsmann rates Adams highly, but not not only because of uh, his role prior to his injury, but how how um, safe he's keeping him like slowly gradually like putting him in the team he has he only started um uh two games ago i forgot who they played i think it was freiburg but don't quote me on that but the game against colin he uh started on the bench and came on in like the late 60 the late 60s of the game in the second half and so you know the, the more i see adams play the, uh, the happier i get because he has so much quality and when he gets put when he gets placed in midfield uh and compared to right back it's it's uh it's a breath of fresh air why is it that you think that uh so many so many young players from the united states are coming out of germany right now i think it's because in germany the mindset of these teams is to not uh pump a bunch of money in signings they don't have the money like that Mm -hmm. so they focus on a more of a coach that will have that will build like a mindset of play for the team and they focus on you know on actual coaching players, mm-hmm. making them get the best out of them. And I think that's the the best minds, uh, the best mindset for um, to to promote youth. And so I think a lot of these clubs are looking at these young kids who happen to be American, who are super physical and eager to learn and eager to get better. And they've it was it's the perfect environment for them to strive. It all started with Pulisic when he was 17, and the amount of potential he showed there. Then Weston Kenny came over. Eventually, <clears throat> Brooks has been in there for, yeah, for, for has been five, there. six yeah. years, and he's such a strong, great center back. Since um, before the lo- like two World Cups ago, he was in there. 
Yeah. And so now you have the likes of Josh Sargent, um, mm-hmm. Uli Janez, and um, Gio Reyna now, who are breaking into the first teams. Yeah. And it's all based on all these clubs are coaching players instead of getting the best players to play. Awesome. What do you think? I think that it's two things. Um, I know actually German clubs do a lot of scouting in the uh, U.S. Mm-hmm. Like we have actually two friends or three friends that yeah. actually went to Germany to play in one of like the seven divisions. Yeah. For um, what's it called? FC FC Darmstadt. FC Darmstadt. Yep. So shout out to them and uh, actually some of the military bases there because Weston McKenney is actually from a military base in Germany, a U.S. base. Oh, so he's a military family. Yes. Okay. And um, one of our good friends, Josh, he came from a military base in. Uh, Germany and Thai played there too. Okay, uh, actually on the bases. So. All right, so long ties with American government yeah. as well. Yes. Okay, that's interesting. And there's, I think, at least two cities in Germany who speak predominantly English. Um, I don't know what two cities they are, but that is kind of like it's almost like a wel- like a welcoming of you know, like they're able to settle easier in Germany based on you know mm-hmm. the amount of people in Germany that can speak English. Obviously, they need to learn yeah. German, which is probably something they want to learn, but kind of like it's a lot different than taking a, uh, a bigger risk and going to uh, France, Portugal France, France or, or Portugal, Spain yeah. where mm-hmm. there is a lack of American culture definitely um, it's more of a culture shock mm-hmm. that, that's the word I was looking for you know oh, yeah, a yeah. culture shock can impact a player's um, style of play I know there's so many South Americans that come to to England um, from other countries and are struggling to adapt just because of how terrible the weather is that they don't they just don't necessarily like they come from tropical they come from tropical um, nations in South America, so obviously they're going to struggle. So, yeah, it's, uh, the culture shock does play a big part in um, how a player plays in their respective league. So with the uh, the Bundesliga coming back, we saw a couple new changes to the game, honestly. Uh, one of them being the artificial crowd, where since we do do not have fans at the moment, uh, they're, they're putting in an artificial crowd noise as if the stands were full, which... To me, is a little interesting. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's hard. It's a disconnect with my eyes and my ears, seeing no fans, hearing a bunch of fans. What do you guys think? I think it's a waste of time, <laughs> yeah. um, because you know you're putting these you know fake poster or boards in the stands to look like you know there's people there and they're they have artificial noise that makes it sound like there's people in the stands, but it's you're you're not fooling the players like as if yeah. it's gonna help them play better. Um, well, I don't think the players actually hear it, do they? I think it's just via the uh, the broadcast. Oh, really? Yeah, I believe so. Then it makes it even more pointless because yeah. I thought it, it's all to let help the players feel like they're in like that environment where they have so many people shouting and screaming their name mm-hmm. and making so much noise. Yeah, I think I, that's kind of like an adrenaline aspect. I heard it is being pumped in the stadium. It is. Is it really? Noise. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so the yeah, players. Well, then know, why would they do that? Yeah, the players know that you know there's no one in the crowds, and I feel like that's distracting. Yeah, and I thought. Before like the Bundesliga came back, like one of the big topics was like, is are the fans that big of a influence on how the game is played? And I thought I was kind of agreeing with it, but based on how they're playing, these players are still playing the game how it should be played. Um, maybe there's that like maybe there's less momentum after scoring a goal mm-hmm. um, based on the aspect of the of the lack of cheering, but it's still such a waste of time to do it because just just, the, just focus on the the play at hand instead of you know what's happening in the stands yeah um i think i think um fans actually being there is obviously does play a big role in a game um especially for um an away team coming into a home to somebody else's home and feeling the vibration of that the crowd gives off you know 
Um, but yeah, I think uh, I agree with you, Devin. That it's kind of pointless because the players know there's nobody. They're they're sit they're playing in these big stadiums, yeah. not seeing anybody. So I think it is uh, kind of pointless uh, unless the players asked for it in in a way. But yeah, besides that, I don't really yeah, see I a point. See for they, it. I don't see why they would really want want that. I mean, yeah. Eh, what do I know though? I'm not a player. I'm also not a very big fan of it. I do really enjoy hearing the players scream and yell. And, yeah, and, and you coaches know, too. And coaches, coaches, you know, it really it feels like you're there. Yeah, you know, that, that's more of a you know really seeing how the players react, which you don't really get to see often unless you're actually there. So yeah, no, I agree. That was some some cool part about uh, watching the the PSG uh, Dortmund uh, Champions League game as well as that Atalanta game. Um, against Valencia it was it was really cool to hear when a player would score the the actual reaction of the players from from celebrating because you know you never get that you really never get that unless it's like a training session but even still the high stakes aren't there um another thing that I found kind of annoying about the the league coming back is kind of like the PR aspect that they're trying to like portray when so let me let me start like this these players are, are on the field Shoulder to shoulder, bumping each other, slide tackling each other. Grabbing each other in the wall. Yeah, grabbing each other in the wall. Mm-hmm. So bunched up for corner kicks. But players off the field have to remain six feet apart on the bench. With a mask on. With a mask yeah. on. Yeah. And when they score a goal, when they score a goal, you have to like be like they have to be reluctant on how they celebrate. They have to they can't high five or, or mm-hmm. hug or anything. They have to, you know, touch each other either the, the with elbow their, or their elbow yeah. or just arm, like kind of like Wakanda forever kind of thing. <laughs> Wakanda forever. And, yeah, and it's just, it's so silly. Like, yeah, it's like I, you get why they're doing it. Just so the whole world's like, oh, we're trying to be as safe as possible. But at the meantime, I just two-foot slid tackled you in, in the ankle, and we had a nice kind of contact. But they have, I think it's kind of like a another also waste of time because um, I remember listening to um, Alexi Lala's podcast a few weeks ago right when the Bundesliga came back. And they're saying if there is an any group of people who could like risk risk themselves in this kind of circumstance, it's going to be professional athletes. Yeah. They're in the shape of their life. They're extremely healthy. They're on specific diets to maintain their body weight and their physique. That mm-hmm. they're able to do this kind of thing. So, they also get tested often. Yeah, yeah, they get tested before every training session, every game. Um, there, there's so much. There's so much care that's focused into these players' lives that they're able to do this so it's kind of just a just a pointless charade to keep them six feet apart on the bench yeah, and make sure you sense. don't celebrate such a yeah. weird way because but, because like you said they're they're pushing each other in the middle of the field anyway yeah their sweat is getting on each other like it's yeah, it yeah. doesn't make sense to me but at least we have it back it's just it's just it's just so silly to see these kind of these new things. rules yeah mm-hmm. and what was that that player that got threatened of a fine for the way he celebrated i it was really the first weekend of the Bundesliga back and okay, the player got it was i forget what it was but yeah they were, they were threatening to to to, uh, <clears throat> to find this player for for hugging his teammates when he celebrated. It was so funny because like it was you know right wow. after a corner. Yeah, <laughs> I think they took it back though because they were like yeah. they saw how pointless it was mm-hmm. to yeah. actually find him when they've been hugging up and tackling each other all game. Yeah, and with um, I say on that note, uh, now that the Bundesliga is back, it's kind of uh, it was almost like the Bundesliga being back was kind of like a trial run to see how other leagues are going to plan on operating. And it's awesome to see that La Liga and the Premier League teams have started training again, and now that we have announcement dates for them, it's 
extremely exciting. It is. Um, we have uh, La Liga coming back the 11th. The 11th, yeah. The 11th, mm-hmm. June 11th, and then we have the Premier League exactly six days later, yep. the 17th of June. Um, so let's start with um, let's start with the uh, with with the Premier League coming back. How do you guys think uh, this break has changed things when it comes to the top four race? Because obviously now the Premier League is coming back. Liverpool are still going to win it. Yeah. Um, but do you think anything has changed for the teams in the top four? Definitely. Let's start with let's start with Austin. I think it does because like as I was wrong about the Bundesliga, how I thought it'd almost be like after preseason, very sloppy, very you know out of touch, I guess. Um, I think it's just a refreshing for the players. And it helps a lot of teams like Chelsea, Spurs, that are getting through their injuries. Now, almost every team has a full-fit squad now. Um, one thing is that we talked about is what uh, clubs are gonna, clubs and the Premier League are going to do about players that are running out of their contract. Are they going to be allowed to play, getting extended contracts? So I think it is going to, it's very exciting for both Premier League and La Liga because, you know, it's almost a little break during the league. Yeah. And we're gonna, I think it's going to be a great end of the season. Yeah, and one, one team that I really think it helped especially was Tottenham. Not only with their injuries, but Tottenham also played the Champions League final last year. So they played all the way up, fiercely trained all the way up until June 1st. And then they had some players go on international break, or go on international duty, either Copa America or, um, or Af- AFCON. And a lot of their players didn't have that recovery time that some other Premier League teams did. So, which probably added into the extra injuries that they've had this season. So, especially with Harry Kane being out, Son being out, now those players are going to be fully fit coming back. I think that really helps their chances of making top four. I don't think they will, but it gives them an opportunity to make fifth or sixth. And that is exactly what Mourinho has, was moaning about for like two yeah. months straight in all his press conferences about it's annoying not having a fully fit squad. And the funny thing is, it's kind of like he's uh, – Backing up his own point, because when it came to, you know, discussions about, like, rushing to get the Premier League back, he was just like, there's no rush. Yeah, whenever, <laughs> There's whenever. no rush. Yeah. We need to focus on life outside of football right now, um, which is so funny because he's always looking at to defend his own narrative. And obviously he's not, he's not rushing to Premier League come back just so his players are focusing on their fitness and being able to come back with a fully fit team. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the only reason he has to believe that his team can do well. Son had to go uh, military training. So yeah, I saw that for four weeks. That's uh, it was a, it was a weird sight to see Son in a yeah. full uh, Korean <laughs> military, military outfit. outfit. Yeah, well, at least he gets it out of the way. I mean, the more time he can get to get all of his like South South Korea military training out of the way, mm-hmm. the better. Just because he can focus more on football, what he wants to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we still don't have any word on what's going to happen with Man City, right? No, we won't know for a little bit until. And so the court arbitration of sport makes a decision on whether or not they're going to appeal Man City's um, request because they tried appealing it, um, repealing the ban. But we'll, we'll never know. Um, but that's also another aspect of uh, what's going to happen in this Tata race. But like Austin said before, the two uh, the two big teams that are going to that have benefited from this break is Chelsea and Ar- uh, Chelsea and Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we mentioned you know Son and Kane, two big, two of their best players. Yeah. But Chelsea, man, we had seven, seven plus injuries. Conte uh, locked his cheek. Pulisic, Kovacic was struggling. Um, it's just now that they all had a break, we're gonna come back literally with a fully fit team. Um, seeing many highlights of the training, everyone is 
everyone that I thought was injured prior to the break is now back training with the team. So it's it's like we're going to have a totally com- a completely different team. and It's like a new season. Yeah, it, it pretty much is because now I'm extremely confident that Chelsea will get top four. United has Rashford back now as well. Rashford with the uh, back injury, I want to say. Yeah. Um, he'll be back. So, I mean, that's that's huge for these guys. Uh, Man U is pushing for that fifth spot, which could mean a Champions League spot. Um, they got Wolves and Sheffield tied on their back. So, anything to get them over the edge. Yeah. I think it could also serve as an extra motivation for a lot of players. Because none of these players have really... Ex- uh, anyone has experienced this in life before. So, mm-hmm. it could really add as a motivation of, wow, I'm actually playing. I'm out here playing, doing what I love again. So it could really usually make these games exciting. Yeah, break away from the game sometimes gives you that motivation to come yeah. back, especially when you know you literally cannot play with your teammates. Yeah, you're you're gonna be itching to get back. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Austin. I think a lot of these players are gonna be just full gears when they get back. I think it was Alexander Arnold who said in uh, I don't know what kind of interview, but he said he was like, I really take took for granted how like lucky I am to be able to. Yep, I do remember this seeing for that. a living, mm-hmm. and so I think a lot of players think like, "Wow, like I get, I'm getting, I'm being given a second chance to to play soccer as a, as like a lifestyle." Mm-hmm. And I think it is going to change the motivation aspect of it. And fans or no fans, I think these guys are going to be so excited to play. Yeah, right when the first weekend kicks back off of the Premier League, these guys are going to be going at it. Yeah, and one of the fixtures that's already looked at or that's already expected to be one of the games of the first weekend is. A big game, Arsenal versus Man City. <laughs> um, it's actually interesting to see, uh, to like inquiry how they kind of made the decision to not like, because you know how before the stop they had a a game like that was supposed to be in line, but you know the the break happened. Yep. But then they they picked a random fixture to start back up again. It was it, so. it was supposed to be um, the first fixtures back were supposed to be. Fast forwarded three weeks, I want to say. Yeah. When they started back up in April, when they planned to start it back up, and then now they're starting back up where we left off. Yeah. So. Because I know Chelsea, the game that the next game that was going to happen right before the, the, you know, the break happened, we were supposed to play West Ham, and I don't think we're going to be playing West Ham now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were. Who, so we were originally uh, supposed to have our Merseyside derby, right when uh, our Merseyside derby, right when uh, the league got got shut down for Corona, and then. April they had us bring coming back and we were going to play Man City on April 3rd and then that got canceled again so now we're coming back with the Merseyside Derby so it's interesting they kind of flip-flopped but I mean we're picking back up right where we left off and uh, hopefully the season just continues on yeah so now um, on the specific note of Arsenal Man City Austin what are your what are your predictions what is your mindset going into that big game I'm always optimistic when it comes to games, but as an Arsenal fan, it can be rough sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But playing Man City, you know, it's that's one team you don't see in a game week and think that, you know, something's going to come up from it or a result for us. Mm-hmm. But one positive that we do have is we have a weapon in Arteta, the assistant manager of Man City, assistant manager of Man City for the past 2 years. So that's one huge thing that I think, because he knows the ins and outs, the weaknesses, their strengths. So that is, I am a pretty optim- optimistic about this game. And it seemed like Arsenal was finding a little bit of form right before the break. Uh, so, I mean, I'd, I'd back Arsenal to get a tie. But at the same time, you never know. Players could have let themselves go. It's, there's a ton of different factors that, that could, could influence a lot of these games. Um, but if Arsenal does end up getting a result out of Man City, 
that would mean that Liverpool could win the title in our next game against uh, against Everton, which would really be a spit in the face to Everton. Oh, man. Imagine winning winning the title at Goodison. That'd be ridiculous. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. So another thing to uh, uh, look at in the Premier League is there's a lot of talk about uh, Newcastle um, for the past, what, decade or so? I'm not sure how long this one this owner has been in place, but he's an American man who who's looked at the club as more of a business than an actual like club, and he's very focused on the revenue coming in and how much money goes that he spends. So Newcastle struggled to you know pump any money for big signings, and now there's big speculation about uh, kind of overturning the manager. He's planning on selling it to another a, a rich owner from from Saudi Arabia, and there's so much. It's almost like the media has jumped the gun completely. Already just talking about you know the next manager that they choose w- between Pochettino and Arn Rafa, and looking at so many literally outlandish signings that they kind of like a list of players that they want um some off the top of my head uh bale william um even uh coutinho so if this does happen what do you guys do you guys think we're gonna see like uh a comeback of newcastle that we saw like to the level that they were at in the 90s not immediately no but like just to put in perspective Mohammed bin Salman, like the new owner that supposedly will be the owner, um, he's he's like three hundred times richer than Sheikh Mansour, the Manchester City owner. Like he's exponentially richer than that guy, which is just stupid money. Like you, we already knew that Manchester City was rich, 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 and this guy's just that much more rich. It's it's hard to understand these numbers, but it is. Yeah. Um, I think I think Newcastle. Hopefully, they slowly build because I think that would be more beneficial to them. Obviously, with financial fair play is a lot more uh, looked at now after Man City's getting nipped for it. But if they if they do it right, they got the financial backing. They're going to be able to Im- improve their stadium, bring in more fans, get tickets up, maybe get a, a few like good signings, maybe one big one, like a Bale or something like that, or Coutinho. Um, I don't think even that big, but just get a couple of good signings get the team performing like mid to maybe like like to anywhere between 10th and 7th place which would be an improvement because they've been yeah for the past few seasons they almost got relegation finding relegation yeah so get that team to improve to like somewhere between 11th and 7th place for the next 3 years get the ticket numbers up get the jersey sales up improve that finances uh and then slowly try to get these signings build a youth program and this club could be up at, like fighting for for Europa League Champions League in 10 years and be a, a, like a, a substantial club in the Premier League again. I think I think that's the perfect way they could do it because obviously they can't just go out and buy whoever they want. Yeah, yeah. Financial fair play is like a big, you know, a big blocker of that. But yeah. there's there is a lot of ways that, that can shoot revenue into the club. I mean, one shirt of the sales. first things... Oh, what's up? Shirt sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shirt sales. But one of the big <clears throat> things that like they can do is a new, um, like a new sponsor mm-hmm. for the team that can push a lot of money through and then even like a new kit. I mean... Yeah, new, Man City got like the deals. biggest deal yeah. in history with the Puma. They got so much money for like what they have it for like twelve years, years, ten years, and that's that was kind of like one of the ways that they're trying to like kind of make it look like they're able to spend more money, which is it's true. Like so, there's so many different ways that Newcastle can, you know, can expand their their money without just pumping it straight from the owner. Mm-hmm. So if they play their cards right, um, they can definitely do something big and. It's it's interesting to see how they're linked with Rafa again because he wasn't given the backing from from the board to yep. get uh, 
signing. So now that he wants to come back, if this does happen, Rafa's a great manager. Yeah, but with a, a, the building aspect of it, Pochettino's the right man to do it. He, Absolutely, that he, he you have to go for him, even if Rafa didn't get to show his true potential. But Pochettino has been through this two times before with Southampton and in Tottenham, and look what he did with both of those clubs. Mm-hmm. The real question, though, is does Pochettino want to go through another rebuilding? Or does he want to go to an established club? Because if that Newcastle owner offers him the opportunity with the financial backing, given the years, and he stays there and he builds the club, does he want to do that again? He already has the pedigree to go to a good club. What do you, what do you think? Personally, I think he would because um, he talks about he wants to he, – he will return to England, you mm-hmm. know, or for, he wants to – to manage another club. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing is I think if Newcastle is going to rebuild, that's the first thing you have to do is find a manager, find an identity, mm-hmm. you know, really see what they want, and then go for the players. You know, I think one a few good things would be for free transfers like Willian. You know, Willian's a decent player. You know, build your team that way. Yeah. Get some players in, and then start getting the big names. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, one, like you said, one big name signing, and the rest, you know, yeah. smart deals like Liverpool did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like Liverpool, Man City, you know, find the manager they want, and then build your team around. Yeah, pick up some relegated players. Pick up a, I mean, a, anyone that's on a free, con- free, a free, a free transfer. transfer. Yeah, yeah there's, there's players floating around. Like, Wijnaldum could be going on a free transfer if, if he wants to return back to Newcastle. I mean, he might do that. Think about it. it could be, it could be an opportunity. But he's going after this year. If he doesn't sign a new deal, that could be a free transfer they get. You know, there's always things like Willian. There's always players popping up like that, especially with now the transfer craze, with all these contracts. You never know what's going to go on. I'm sure they can pick up some good players. Yeah, Williams definitely the biggest possibility for Newcastle just because he is out of, out of contract and where he's not signing a new one with Chelsea just because he's demanding too much. He wants a, a new uh, three-year deal, and uh, Chelsea or Chelsea are only offering him uh, like six months to a year, and he doesn't want that. And kind of like the a life outside of soccer, he has a restaurant in London, and he wants to stay in England because of his restaurant that he's really has, yeah he, he him and David Luiz own own their own restaurant <laughs> what? in England yeah this is new so that's why they want to stay in England to to be able to like you know keep up with their restaurant and so there was there's been a little talk about Arsenal and Tottenham maybe going for only but I doubt that um, Newcastle seems just like a a shoe in for what's best for his best for Newcastle and what's also best for like his own like. Desires. I didn't so. know William cared this much about food. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's crazy. They literally have. They literally that's like they literally have their own restaurants. Him and David Luiz. Do you know the name of it? No, I don't. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> it's probably a steakhouse. Might yeah, be a steakhouse. I, I, Brazilian steakhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Brazilian steakhouse. That's awesome. Yeah. I knew I knew about William's restaurant, but I didn't know about that. David Luiz had one as well because right when David Luiz signed for Arsenal, he had like certain like like damage like damage to his restaurant because he went from Chelsea to Arsenal so there were Chelsea fans that kind of like damaged just damaged the restaurant or like, like threw rocks at it or something broke glass just because he went to a rival club yeah William to Newcastle makes sense for the club and its new ownership and bringing in maybe a new coach like you guys are saying um, because I mean obviously William it's he's re- he passed his peak already and he's on his way down and he'd still be a starter playing for Newcastle It'd be a free signing, and uh, they could match them up. With, they have they're gonna have the money to bring in some some good players if they're if they know how to spend it. So they, they uh, like Danny was saying, um, it's not gonna be next season. They're gonna be fighting for top four, top mm-hmm. five. It's gonna take time, obviously, like any rebuild. Yeah. Um, but 
Um, hopefully they take Bale off our hands, which <laughs> I'm excited for. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with this new ownership at Newcastle. So I have found the name of the restaurant. You did? Yeah. <laughs> it's Babo. And it's an Italian restaurant. Oh, really? Hosted by two Brazilians. So, I don't know. It's That's apparently really pretty funny. good. Um, but on your note of, of bail, let's look at, uh, since La Liga is right around the corner, um, what, how, how is the Real Madrid squad looking to you, David? Well, first of all, I'm excited to have Hazard back fully fit and training with the team for... He managed to stay away from, from the, the from burgers the snacks, the and burgers. the fast foods. Yeah. Yeah, he's looking fit. Um, actually, speaking about Bale... Yeah, actually, on the fit test, uh, he came back to be the most fit out of everybody in pace. and Really? Yeah. Bale that's, is the that's most impressive. fit player on Real Madrid right now. I Second, I think, that. was Sergio Ramos. They're saying he's gained speed. He's the strongest he's ever been. Wow. They said he's guy. faster now than when he was 29 at 32. That's incredible. I hate yeah, that guy. I, I, was keeping up with, <laughs> I was keeping up with him during this whole coronavirus, and he was one that was in the gym at his house every, like, pretty much every day. He, like, he looks ripped. Um, but the, the thing I'm mostly excited about is getting Asensio back because he hasn't played one game. So it's like, to us, it's oh, like, I completely, I completely forgot about, it. forgot it's like about getting him. a new oh, player yeah. for us. So hopefully we could win the, the title. And yeah. Oh, he'll he'll boost you guys back. hugely. Yeah. That's crazy. He's been training with the team. So I'm excited for that. Love watching Asensio play. He's so yeah, talented. He's It'll be better for him to come on instead of Lucas Vasquez. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> I think if you had to watch Lucas Vasquez come on in an important game again, you'd probably smash your head against the wall. I hope uh, Newcastle have their eyes on him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but a fully fit Hazard, who's on form, and now that Sentence comes back, they can completely keep Bale and Lucas Vasquez on the bench. Oh, for sure. And 100%. now we, oh my God, and they also have freaking, they also have Rodrigo Vinicius. and Vinicius Jr. It's going to be... It's good for Real Madrid. Now they can probably focus on squad rotation since Zidane loves rotating the squad no matter how well someone's performing. So this is kind of like something he's so excited about because he, after Rodrigo scores a hat-trick, he benches in the next game. Yeah. yeah. So he, he cares more about rotation than keeping a player in form. Yeah, I think uh, the only player on our roster that's injured right now is uh, Luka Jovic, who broke his toe, I think. In in uh, in quarantine, he yeah, broke in his quarantine, toe. Yep, yep, yep. Not even stuff. soccer. Yeah. Not even playing soccer. I think Vinicius has to start. Oh, Even with I, I Hazard, think so too. He, either one of them could play on the right or left. I mean, but he is—he's so fun to watch. Yeah, he was—he was actually starting to uh, one score because that was—that was one of the things he was missing was his finish, and he was actually getting a lot better. He was starting to get a couple goals, and but yeah, I, I think him on the right or on the left with Hazard back now—it's—it's going to be deadly, and I think we have a—I think we could win the title. Yeah, I think it's Real Madrid's title it still is. to lose. Hundred percent. Yeah, every team's gonna in the Liga for the most part gonna come back with both the teams. So, but yeah, I I don't see I don't see Real Madrid struggling too much, especially with an even better squad that they had now than when before the break yeah. happened. So especially because Barca is just so thin right now. Yeah, <clears throat> Barca is ridiculously thin. Yeah. So uh, to end off the uh, the podcast, we're gonna go around each four of us um, pick one. A big transfer rumor that has gained a lot of traction, and we'll just kind of discuss whether or not it's it makes sense and if if it's a good move for the player, if it's a good move for the uh, for the club. One uh, big uh, big transfer rumor that I've seen 
talked about endlessly for the last couple weeks is uh, Jorginho to Juventus. And I think it is not only a smart move for him, but a smart move for Chelsea and Juve. It just makes sense. Um, he has a player that has suffered a lot of scrutiny in his first season when he actually played really well under Sarri. And now in the second season, he's gotten so much kind of like 180 turn. He's gotten so much love from the club, but now he's playing terribly. You know, he's mm-hmm. being completely dominated in midfield for most games. Um, and I think he needs to be under a coach that understands how to use him, uh, which is sorry, which is why he, he's linked. So it just makes sense for him to go. No matter what the fee is, the fee is obviously going to be a lot smaller because of uh, the lack of revenue all these clubs are getting. So he's going to be going for cheap. But it just makes sense for him. And he's going to be looking like a stud in Italy because there's not the same amount of physicality that there is in England. So yeah. um, what do you guys think? I think I think Jorginho fits better in Italy than he does in England. Uh, I, I've said that since he got there. He's not. He's just not a Premier League type player, in my opinion. I don't. Yeah. I don't think it makes sense for Juventus to get him, especially because Juventus are. But Pjanic is on his way out. Yeah, but yeah, true. you replace him with Jorginho. Like uh, I don't see how that makes sense. For no, him. I, I don't you think also he's have, you also have them. Ramsey. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, the thing is, Sarri has a soft spot for Jorginho. Like he, Jorginho does so well under Sarri. In, first, in his first season at Chelsea, Jorginho looked so because he knew his role. He understood, uh, and Sarri made him look really well. He looked really good. And Sergino is such a similar player to Pjanic. They play the same role under Sarri. And with Pjanic being linked to PSG and Barcelona, the only logical move is for the player they used to have that can instantly impact, which is Jorginho. I mean, I, I just, personally, I don't rate Jorginho. But, <laughs> I mean, for Juventus, Juventus is like a top-tier club. If, if Ronaldo has any word on it, I doubt he's going to be like, yeah. I need Jorginho on my team. I could see... Um... Because I know Torreira has been unsettled in Arsenal or England. Um, I could see if he's looking to, for a way out, I, I could see Juventus picking somebody out like Torreira. I've seen him. Uh, Torreira looked at uh, by AC Milan a lot, mm-hmm. and he does want to go back to Italy. Yeah. I've seen that a lot. Yeah, I saw that. And, but um, Jorginho is actually Sarri's son, so secretly. What? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> yo, 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 yo. Yeah. I was like, but, what? Whenever I have watched Pjanic, I'm a big fan of Pjanic. Yeah. I think he's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and he, he just plays so simple for Juventus, which, you know, you need a player like that in certain teams, you know, so you can let the creative midfielders do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And I think Jorginho could fit that, you know, play simple, ping mm-hmm. around, you know, maybe. Because, actually, Sarri is usually a 4-3-3 with the wingers flying around. But whenever you have a player like Ronaldo in your team, you have to change the way you play to yep. fit him. And they've actually played a 4-3-1-2 with an attacking mid behind Dybala and Ronaldo, or Ronaldo and Higuain. Um, sometimes it's Ramsey, sometimes it's Dybala that's playing that attacking mid. So I could see it, especially with a formation like that that's so overcrowded with midfielders. You know, you can really ping it around or show his quality there. Yeah, and that's why it makes it because Jorginho at Chelsea, his, he, his role is so big because not only is he still has to be the one to tick the boxes in our own defensive third to progress it to attack, but he's also given this role to do a high press and be out of position, and he doesn't have the physicality for that. But in a team like Juve, where they play with three to four midfielders, it's a lot safer. It's a lot safer environment for him to do what he wants because 
the players that he plays against in the Premier League are so quick. They're so they're so physical. Mm-hmm. And Italy, it's not like that at all. Yeah, I think I mean, Jorginho's ball skills are better than his physicality. Yeah, and I think that's that's what the the Italian league is for. Yeah, for players and, like that. And I'm not trying to say that Jorginho is anywhere near Pirlo's level, but I think if there was a lot of talk about when Pirlo was in his prime, talking about switches to England, mm-hmm. he was smart. He stayed in Italy yeah. because he probably would have struggled Pirlo, in England. Pirlo, how would, Pirlo would not have done well in England. Yeah. I agree. He's looked at Pirlo's looked at as one of the best defensive mids out there. Pirlo doesn't defend. No, he does. He not. does whatever he wants. Yeah. yeah, he ran like in on average in his career, he ran like two to three kilometers per game. Players nowadays play like run like, like twenty five yeah. kilometers in a game. Like it's crazy. But yeah, so it just makes sense for me. Um. I'll move it over to Austin. What's a, what's a one big transfer rumor that has gained a lot of traction that you think it makes sense? I am going to go with uh, Coutinho because you know Coutinho's on his way out and he wants the Premier League. That's where he's played his best, um, and he wants it. Um, I could, you know, you've seen a few things about uh, Coutinho back to Liverpool, which I know Danny's not shaking his head about. Don't even try him with that. No stakes in his garden. But, uh, <laughs> I've seen a little bit about, you know, Coutinho to Arsenal, Coutinho to Chelsea, you know, a lot of the other clubs. But I personally like Coutinho. I wouldn't mind him. I think he's a quality player. Um, but I could also see, you know, Coutinho to also Newcastle, something like that. But he needs something in his career to get him really back going. I would love to see Coutinho back in the Premier League because he's good for the Premier League. Like, in all honesty, he's good for the Premier League. I would also like to see Robertson two-foot him just once or twice, <laughs> uh, slap him on the back of the head like he did Messi. Um, but no, I think, I think Coutinho to the Premier League makes sense because he's a, he, just, he just fits the play style of the Premier League. There's just players that do that, and he doesn't fit the, the La Liga. He doesn't fit Bundesliga like, like, uh, like he does the Premier League. So I think him coming here would be, would be good for us. Uh, and what, what about you, Devin? I think, yeah, he needs to come back to to England for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's one of those players that we talked about in our last uh, episode about, you know, the fading out of the number 10. He's a classic number 10 that has been forced to play left wing. Left wing, yeah. And I think he's his career has, has been damaged because of it. You know, he goes to Barcelona playing left wing. I don't think he can get in the positions, like initial position with the ball that he'd like to when if he was playing as attacking mid with his back always to goal, you know, moving in between defensive the defensive pockets, defensive lines, and um, it struggled. I mean, he's only been able to look decent at times for Bayern playing mm. on the wing. Mm. So if he comes back to England, um, he needs to go to a team that's able to put him as the main creative focal point where he can roam, you know. Obviously, he in this new game, he has to be able to be – defensively astute which i think it won't be a prop because he's he's he is a player with pace so yeah and i think it makes sense to go to a team like newcastle if he goes there he will be the creative focus you know he the, the team will play for him and then once that happens he'll be back at his best again what do you think of him going to wolves oof can nuno espirito santo handle such a such a creative player like him i do not know who who gets who gets off for him I mean, they play with a three-five. What they play like a three-four-three. Three-four-three. Yeah. With Neves and uh, Sace in the mid in the midfield, I don't I don't know. He'd have to play wing again. He'd have to play wing. He'd yeah. play left wing, and it'd be it'd be him, and uh, and Adama Traore on each yeah. wing. I think that would that would be dangerous, but that'd be interesting. I don't think Wolves make sense for me. Wolves first season in the Prem, they actually had uh, an attack. They had Matinho behind Jota and mm-hmm. Jimenez, yep. so they could go back to that. You know, one. Uh, attacking mid behind two strikers. 
Diego Jota's had such a good season, though. Yeah, and Traore. You, and you, Traore, can't, you yeah. can't really put either <laughs> yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah, man. But yeah, he, his his definition is definitely Premier League. I mean, Bayern don't seem like they want to buy him. I think they they like yeah, no. said like we'll take him on loan again, but mm-hmm. we're not going to buy him. And Barca want that they want him out, bro. They want to get that money for him, like while while he's barely still hot. So he, he he'll come back to Premier League. I don't I don't think Barcelona keeping him would make sense. Not at all. Or even to loan him out again would that would not make sense, especially because they well one they don't need him right now. Mm-hmm. Um. I do see him going back to the Premier League because I could see him going back to Italy since he came from or he played in Inter um, and I think he'd do really great in Italy but I don't see a team that he'd fit good in but I could see him at Arsenal teaming up with uh, Aubameyang if he stays yeah if he stays like I said Big F. I think I could see that making a lot of sense yeah Arteta has really used um Ozil as a number 10 and what he does is he kind of pushes Ozil over to the right a little more to kind of overload the sides and combine and a lot of talks have been that Ozil needs to leave or should leave because his wages you know we can't even buy players because his wages are so expensive I've seen that Ozil might be going uh I saw I've seen a few Turkish teams yeah Turkey uh, for for Fenerbahce Fenerbahce. yeah I saw Mm -hmm. he was linked to to them yeah, personally, I wouldn't mind Coutinho. Someone could shoot from distance, yep. you know, add a little quality. But he also he does work hard. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and that's one thing that Ozil isn't always known for. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, Oz- lately, Ozil has been working a lot harder. But I want to keep Ozil. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the next one, Danny? Um, for me, I have uh, Kai Havertz going to United. 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 So I haven't seen United at all lately. The last two, three days, it's been. United as the front runner for Kai Havertz, slipping away from going towards uh, Jaden Sancho and more towards Kai Havertz. Um, I think that fits their play style better, having someone like Kai who would be able to, because United, I feel like United plays a different formation every other game. So with their injuries or their signings, having Igalo, not having Igalo, having Rashford, having Martial, whoever they decide to play in there, now having Bruno Fernandes and Pogba coming back, they're still trying to figure out what they're doing. I think having Kai Havertz would be a lot easier to fit into a formation rather than having someone like Jaden Sancho because Sancho is, is strictly a right wing. And, I mean, a, amazing player, you know, talent. Uh, but I think Kai Havertz would bring the, the um, versatility to their, to their attack that uh, paired up with Bruno Fernandes would be pretty awesome, I think, because uh, I don't think Pogba's here to stay. Do you, uh, do you think Bruno Fernandes gets pushed? Back more? Yeah, I think I think he gets I think he gets played off to the left a little more, and then Kai Havertz plays either right side-ish attacking midfield, something like that. Maybe pushes up, um, but Igalo's not here to stay long term, and Pogba's not going to yeah. be staying long term. So I think bringing Kai Havertz in, being able to play versatile in the midfield, him and Bruno would do well together. Some some sort of pairing. I'm gonna have to disagree. I I don't see how he how he fits in United's team. He'd have to he'd have to play striker. I mean on on the on the possibility that Pogba stays, mm-hmm. you have uh, McTonamay, Fred, uh, Pereira, Mata, no, Bruno Fernandez. All, all these guys got to go, in my yeah. opinion. If you're a manu, if you're yeah. a manu, you got to get rid of a lot of them. And with such a, so many players in midfield, mm-hmm. he he'd have to be forced to play striker, which mm-hmm. he can play striker fine. Yeah, I mean it'd be great. It'd be great uh, competition for Greenwood and and Rashford. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it just uh, it doesn't make sense for me for him to go there. I mean, cool. Like they, if they grab him, like yeah, they'll be they'll be super dangerous. But that's a lot of that's a lot of creative talent that you have that with not many defense with not many defensive minded midfielders. Mm-hmm. McTonamay, I mean, they could play what I can see if they keep all those players, they'd have to play like a, a four a four one four one with McTonamay as a two as like a D, like a, a four five one or something like that. And then the Fernandez and Havertz right in front of them. Mm-hmm. That would look insane if that if they can keep. Um, well-rounded midfield that triangle, yeah, mm-hmm. like a triangle. If it works well, if it works, it will, yeah. Will. But yeah, that's a, that's a lot of creative, creative, great creativity in the midfield. Well, if if Pogba does end up leaving um, United, well, he I, he's been linked to Madrid, but he's also been linked back to Juve, and I think he if I don't I haven't seen Madrid um, wanting to pursue him anymore because I we we honestly don't need him, um, and I think he'd end up back in Juve over Jorginho. Going back to that. Oh, that is true. Personally, I think we we went from Havertz to Pogba now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I per- that no, it's okay. <laughs> but I personally think that Pogba is going to stay because I think he sees now someone in Bruno Fernandez, mm-hmm. and even if that means he has to change his game a little bit, um, I think in the World Cup, Pogba, you know, was one of the best players. He's talked about, but he defended so hard. You know, he didn't do what Pogba wanted. He did what the team needed, mm-hmm. um, and I think that. Pogba's looking at Bruno Fernandes like, you know, we can really have something here. And I yeah. think he'd play a little bit deeper. And whenever Man U would attack, it would almost look like a 4-1-4-1. Mm-hmm. With, you know, McTominay or Fred Holding. With Bruno Fernandes and Pogba, you know, really pushing forward. But defensively, I think he would be a little further back. Well, they could play the triangle with Kai Havertz up top, Bruno Fernandes, and then Pogba. That'd be that crazy would. midfield. It would, it would be an insane midfield. Pogba just needs to track back. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty Because if he gets caught out, they get scored on. That's pretty yeah. much it. Per, um, but personally, I think that Kai Havertz, for his move, would want to first, where, like, what position do I want to play? Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to Man U and I'm going to be playing striker, but I don't really want to play striker, I'm a, I'm a number 10. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he needs to think, what, where does he really want to play? Mm-hmm. And then pick a spot. You know, maybe Liverpool, he's going to be playing out on the wing or yeah. in the midfield, you know. So I think, uh, I could, I personally don't really see Havertz going to the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I see him, honestly, going to Bayern or, like, a Real Madrid. Yeah. Byron Byron is a likely Byron seems like the most likely in. outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the first ones to snatch up the biggest, the next biggest like German talent. Yeah, German talent that Bundesliga. comes through. They're they're yeah. usually the ones that pick it, pick through the lot. Yeah, Narby, Goretzka, Lewandowski, Goetze, now mm-hmm. Havertz. It just makes sense. But I don't think Byron could also get Sané and Havertz in the same window. True. Yeah, uh, yeah, correct, yeah it's, correct, it's too correct. much money. Um, I don't even I don't even think Leverkusen have come out with how much they want to get for Leverkusen for uh, Havertz. So. Hey, we'll we'll see. Um, right now, I don't think Havertz is on the trading block. Like last I've seen, Havertz says he's fine staying in in Leverkusen. Um, but a lot of new things the last two days I've seen is that he's been linked to United. I saw one for Liverpool, but I I just don't believe it. Um, but a lot of Man United, whether that's just the Man United fans wanting to bring those rumors up, quite possible they do it all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, every almost yeah, every, player. every 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 promising player that comes out, you see a Man United headline yeah. today. <laughs> so but, annoying. But I mean, whether that be just United fans or actually something with with substance, uh, I think he would he would fit in the club well. Um, wherever he goes, I think he'll fit in any club well. Honestly, yeah. he's he's a very versatile player. Seems like a good kid as well. And last one we have David. Who's your player that is on the way? That makes with, sense. Uh, Lauturo. Uh, he's one. been heavily linked with Barca. Supposedly, he's agreed terms, but they haven't 
figured out. So you think fight. you think he's for sure going to Barca? I think so. I think he's a done deal. Yeah, I agree. But with you. I, does it make sense to me? Not really, because they have Griezmann, Suarez, Dembele, Messi, and now Lautaro. I mean, I guess we have to wait and see who stays and who goes. But I don't know. He's a great player. I wouldn't want to see him there because I actually like enjoy watching him play. Um, but. It makes sense. I think it makes sense because of how long Suarez has been out for, and Griezmann, ha- Griezmann, Dembele, Ansu Fati, Messi have been playing on the wing, so one of them has been forced to play a center forward role, and none of them are natural number nines. Lotharo is a natural number nine, so yeah. I think it makes sense for him to play to, to for them to want him just so they can, you know, have rotation for when Suarez gets injured or needs needs a rest. Cause he's he's not young. He's in his thirties now, so. Yeah, but do you see? Uh, I mean, I don't see Suarez being benched or, or Lautaro being benched when they're both fit. I can see them selling Suarez. I could, I, I could. I, I mean, that's the only thing I can. I mean, think he's of. been he's been there for what six, five years now. Yeah, this is this is yeah his fifth fifth, fifth or sixth yeah, season. This is fifth year. Yeah, I don't think that. I mean, I think Suarez has a ton of quality. He can keep playing, but I do think that Barca needs a, a switch up. Yeah. you know, like. With all the players they have and everything, they, they need something to shake it up. You know, maybe bring in some younger players, you know, really get them going again. Um, and I think that one huge thing is that Dembele has supposedly been listed by the transfer market for Barca, and they dropped down to about $30 million, $40 million for him. And if Coutinho and Dembele go, that's the funds for... Martinez. Yes. Oh, but, 100%. But that's, and the salary. That's the salary one thing space is, as well. Will they be able to sell those players with the market now that Verona has created? Well, supposedly they just sold Semedo for, I think it was like $44 million. To Man City? To Man City. Well, it means, that's if it's confirmed. We don't know that. Yeah. But I mean, if City has the band, would they be allowed? Yeah, they can't even sign anybody. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Because I've seen... I saw... It I, I saw... Pretty, yeah, I saw that he was possibly going to Juve, as well as um, Pjanic to Barca. Yeah, I saw that too. Juve does make sense because I mean, there are Juve and Man City are always the teams that are always looking out for fullbacks, mm-hmm. so it makes sense that he's linked with those two teams. But uh, Dembele available for thirty-five million, thirty to forty million. That's a I think it's a, good, I think it's a good deal. I mean, he struggled with injury. I think there's a lot of talk about like even his hit. He has. Trouble with like discipline, um, within like the club rules. Oh, really? um, that's just a that's just like a like a, a maturity thing. He'll mm-hmm. he'll get that, but he has quality, man. And it, it, it does, you can't yeah. you can't not turn down a player for thirty million. For Dembele's aspect, I would personally go back to Dortmund. You know, if Sancho goes, he would be their star again. I mean, and I personally think that Sancho is going to go. Yeah. But at Barca's stake, I think Martinez at Barca. Yeah. Need to sign him. I think is is a good choice for them. Very quality. All right, and so before we end the episode, Austin here, our special guest, has a question he wants to ask us. We haven't uh, we haven't heard it yet, so shoot it at us, man. So since we just talked about transfers, what is your dream realistic signing for your club? Um, the dream realistic signing for me, uh, Mbappe twenty twenty baby. You already know, you already know where this one's going. Nike deal. Now we got to get Mbappe. That's just the other part of it. So yeah, I mean, I would love to have Mbappe on my team. Whether that makes sense for our team dynamic or not, I don't. I don't know. But I, I would. I would just love to be able to buy an Mbappe shirt. It, that would be. That would be the beautiful day when I could buy a Mbappe Liverpool shirt. Um, I think he would be. You know, obviously he's the future. You know, he if he comes to our club and stays, he's the future of soccer. So, I would love for him to grow and develop 
win Ballon d'Ors at our club. But whether it makes sense for our team dynamic, I don't know. He is young. Our, our attackers are, are getting older, 27-plus. So, I mean, I would love, I would love to see Mbappe. That's, that's, that's my... I've seen a lot of links with Warner. So, if mm-hmm. Mbappe didn't come, would Werner be the choice? Yeah, if, I, think, I think that what makes sense for us right now is to get Timo Werner. Because Mbappe, first of all, is too much money. I don't think Liverpool is the type of team, Klopp isn't the type of coach to go out and buy the best player in the world. So I think I think it's just not realistic that we're going to get him. I would love to see him play for my club, but I think Timo Werner is the the signing that makes sense for us right now to help grow our squad because we don't need too much. I mean, we we're we've lost one one game this season. So in the Premier League, we've lost one game in the Premier League. So I mean, it we don't need too much to add to our team, and we don't need to kill the team dynamic. So I, I think Timo Werner would be the realistic signing that I like. But Mbappe would be my dream signing because I would love to see him play for our, our club. If Mbappe goes to Liverpool, bro, that's GG. Oh, I know. <laughs> that's why I would love to see it. Dude, I could, like, there's just, there hasn't been a player since, like, Stevie G that people have idolized like that, you know? And seeing Mbappe, Mbappe's like the next Messi type. So just to see him grow at, at Liverpool would be incredible. So um, I'm also going to go with Mbappe. Okay. Just because he has been leaked. With yeah. Madrid, uh, obviously, um, Mbappe is, like you said, the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see him going to Madrid. Um, I don't know if he. I know he hasn't signed the contract extension with PSG. I think Madrid is where he wants to go. Correct too. Uh, I've seen he wants. He loves Zidane. He's like one of oh, his yeah. idols. So I'm sure he'd want to be coached by him. If that happens, I mean, I could see him being what Ronaldo could have been if he. I mean, Ronaldo broke rec- all sorts of records for Madrid, but he and he came at a later time. If somebody like Mbappe comes at 21 years old, and he could, I think he could catch up or, if not match, Ronaldo's um, records and win the Ballon d'Or with us. Mbappe's a big Ronaldo fan too, yeah. so that you know that just puts it more you know go where Ronaldo's going, yeah. Yeah. wear that number seven for Real Madrid, and Real Madrid are one of the teams that can easily afford him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I've seen that they're waiting to get him for free because his contract's up next year in twenty twenty one, and he has he doesn't want to sign supposedly uh, an extension with PSG. So I don't know if we get him twenty twenty or if we wait. But I have seen him linked with uh, Liverpool as well. Is Real Madrid sponsored by Nike or no? No, they're Adidas. 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 Okay. But does he ever get to play striker? Because Benzema was there for another forty years, right? <laughs> that's oh that's what it seems like. He's slowing down anytime soon. <laughs> we we can't find a replacement. It's too good. All right. After a lot of thinking about it, let me preface this by saying: in no way do I see this as realistic in any ter- in any sort of way. I mean, he asked what the dream signing is. Yeah, I he mean, said he, dream he's signing. He's asking for dream it. realistic. <laughs> oh, dream realistic. Yeah, I just uh, I just left that last word out. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, I'm going to give you my dream dream signing, Sancho, all the way. That's my dream signing for Chelsea with uh, with William and Pedro for sure out the window. We are left with only two, three wingers in Ziyech who can also still play midfield, and then Pulisic and, and Hudson-Odoi. Putting Sancho on that list, that gives three promising wingers all competing for two positions of wing and when, no matter what team you look at with so much squad depth, competition only makes all the players better. 
they're every the, the second the, the chance they get to perform, they're gonna perform because they want to keep their spot. So they're all gonna be performing good. And I'm tired of uh, Chelsea signing players that are good for squad depth, but they're not s- signings that will immediately start 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 the team. Literally, the last one was Hazard. Yeah, it was, yeah, and um, it's I want we need to make a big signing in, and and Sancho. Obviously, I don't think it's realistic. He he's wanted by the biggest clubs in the world. Um, and also Man United. You don't um, think that's realistic? For Chelsea to get him now, I, I think uh, I think we could afford him, but I don't think he would want to come. I, I would like to, you know, I like to tell myself that he wants to come to Chelsea <laughs> just because there's been uh, tweets resurfaced back from like 2012, 2013 of him like rooting off Chelsea. So he's apparently a, a noted Chelsea fan. One of his biggest idols is Drogba. Um, he's in, he's really good friends with Hudson Odoi. Um, because of you know their England you know set of development um so it, a lot of people like to think like it makes sense for him to come to Chelsea um since he'd be coached by his idol and Lampard but he's wanted by Real Madrid uh he could even go to, he can even go to Barcelona and if uh, I see a lot I see a lot more rumors with him going to Man U than than Chelsea if he were to come to England but I think he's 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 smart he could go to Real Madrid and be even bigger of a star than he is now. So that's my dream signing, but release six signing Ben Chilwell. <laughs> ben Chilwell. Hey, I mean, hey Chilwell is good. Chilwell's, Chilwell's good. good, but for seventy million, uh, <laughs> what a step down! Oh my goodness, we go Mbappe, Mbappe, and he says Ben Chilwell. That's that's a realistic signing. I mean, we've been linked with Chilwell for since January, um, but we are we do need a new left back. Emerson is is washed. He's gonna he needs to leave back to Italy. Um, we could probably keep Marcus Alonso just because he does have an air, uh, attacking threat that has won us games so many different times, no matter how terrible he is at defending. I actually think he's slightly better than Emerson at this point when it comes to defending, just based on what I've seen. So he's more likely to say than Emerson, but yeah, we do need like the best of both worlds at a left back. So Chilwell kind of answers that. Um, he's still young. He's only 23. But for 70 million, that's that hurts. <laughs> yeah. Because there's better left backs out there for 70 million. Definitely. <clears throat> I would prefer uh, an Alex Tellez, just because of he has shown so many clips uh, clips of brilliance in the in the Champions League and Europa League. So that makes more sense for seventy million than Chil- than Chilwell. I don't even think Tellez would even go for seventy million. I think yeah, you probably, probably get him for like fifty. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say either Rice or Chilwell. Declan yeah, Rice. I just yeah, I would I would get Declan Rice if Georgina's out the door. Hell yeah. Okay. Because we. Uh, we need a defensive <laughs> mid, bro. Like someone who will get pushed off the ball. Rice ain't gonna get pushed off the ball, bro. That just, man's the center back Fellaini. playing the midfield, huh? Just get Fellaini. Easy. <laughs> Matic back. Yep. <laughs> Listen, if I want a tall, poofy-haired guy mm-hmm. to uh, make late runs in the box, we just bring back Mourinho. Ninety-first <laughs> minute. Fellaini. <laughs> yeah. That was the biggest cheat code of Mourinho's area era at Man U. Anytime they were needing one goal. 90th minute sub for Fellaini and crossing the box and he always scored. It, it's a cheat code that literally has baffled this world and it's not talked about enough. That's funny. <laughs> and with that laugh, I think this uh, ends another episode of the 3D Experience. Thank you guys. Thank you, Austin, for joining us. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on. Everyone stay safe out there. We will try. We will try. And uh, yeah, for me, Devin, David, thank you guys for sticking with us. Uh, through this crazy time, slowly and slowly, soccer's coming back. So we're here to stay. 
Make sure you guys follow us on our socials to stay up to date with everything going on at the 3D Experience with an underscore. Check out thespectatorsports.com to get some of the latest blog posts, any information, other sports commentary. And thank you guys all for tuning in. We will see you again next week. Have a good one. Stay safe. Peace. Deuces.